I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Carrie Johnson. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. If our episode sounds different today, that's because we're recording outside of the studio practicing social distancing. Today, we're joined by senior analyst Jessica Liu to discuss the future of social media and B2C brands. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks for having me. So before we jump into the future, can you maybe level set and and discuss what is the current state of social media in particular through the consumer's eyes? Sure. U.S. consumers today are growing a bit weary of social media in general. I um, looking across our own consumer technographics data, we see that 14%, only 14%, believe what they read on social media is trustworthy. And more eye-opening, actually, 40% spend less time on social media than in the past. There's this overall wariness of social media um, and what it's doing to people's time, people's habits, and their, their outlooks on the world. Um, especially when you consider that uh, 37% said that social media is doing more harm than good. And it's interesting because we've also been tracking this during the pandemic. And while social media use is absolutely going up with people stuck inside and perhaps bored, um, 31% still agree that they feel more negatively about social media now than they did before the pandemic. So it's in line with their feelings pre-pandemic and continues uh, through the pandemic that social media is doing more harm than good. I feel like this is so counterintuitive given that obviously people are on devices just as much as before. I think the assumption is, is that, especially with Gen Z, they're using Snapchat, they're using TikTok, they're doing more social things. So Are they just more directly interacting with each other versus spending time on social media or are they doing something else? So I think that their time spent on devices overall is certainly increasing as we talk about time spent during the pandemic. But even before the pandemic, overall device usage has been going up. The question about where they're spending their time, specifically for Gen Z and millennials, sure, you could argue that they are going off of the mainstream social networks to more private environments like messaging apps. So the pie may be growing slightly, and then the segments of the pie are, are shifting away from mainstream social networks to messaging apps. But despite all that, I think consumers would still say that overall social media is doing more harm than good because we know the sort of contributions of social media when it comes to online bullying or um, uh, brands misrepresenting truths or information on social media or fake news. Um, There's been this sort of tarnished reputation for social media through the last few years uh, from a consumer point of view. And then from a a social network point of view, their mishandling of user data privacy and how they're allowing ad targeting um, using that user data is has also come into question. So I think the there's this veil of distrust and negative sentiment that has been a slow erosion over time about social media, despite usage, which is very counterintuitive to your point, Carrie. Mm -hmm. 
Jesse, you sort of mentioned this in, in part of your response, but what is the marketer's role then in how consumers are viewing social media or the validity of the channel, so to speak? Yeah, I think marketers have overstepped their bounds in some ways, or they've become so eager to have a presence on social media that they've blanketed social media without having very specific or tangible goals. Um, it's interesting that social media is a unique channel. It enables two-way conversations and sharing, unlike many other marketing channels that are very one-way push communications where the brand is pushing messages at the consumer. Because social media is so unique, brands have been so excited by this opportunity to um, engage with social users and <laughs> I hate this expression, but make content go viral as they will ask me. Um, but the, they, they do that. They, they are so excited about this that they completely overlook users' preferences. Not all social users want to interact with brands on social media. Yet these, these companies sort of demand so much from social users. They want their eyeballs. They want their wallets. They want their loyalty long-term across the entire customer lifecycle. So brands have sort of become what I call in, in the report party crashers without being invited to the party. Um, they become these party crashers on social media. Um, because they've had FOMO, fear of missing out, when it when it comes to social media, they see competitors on there, they see these uh, billions of users on social media, and they want to be there too. So they they jump into the deep end of the pool, um, and they unfortunately don't realize that only 32% of people think that brands share interesting content on social media. 24% think it's cool to be associated with a company or brand on social media, only a quarter. Um, so these these aren't overwhelmingly encouraging numbers that brands should use to make the case for being on social media because consumers are just not necessarily interested in brands on social media. Now, again, I often get asked, does this change for Gen Z and millennials? And the numbers are not encouraging even from those, those segments. Um, I think 46% of Gen Z and millennials feel that brands share interesting content on social media, so a little bit under half. And only 39% of Gen Z and millennials feel that it's cool to be associated with a company or brand on social media. So I, I think brands have been misguided on social media and show up at the party, aren't sure what their objectives are, and decide to try every single objective within the customer lifecycle and shout as much as possible at consumers on social media in the hopes that they will engage. It's a very one-sided relationship when, in reality, social media exists for two-way conversation. We had uh, Emily Collins, analyst, on this podcast a few months ago at this point, and we've talked about digital communities and the role that brands can play there. Do you classify the community sort of as social media, or are you feeling that creation of a digital community by a brand is pretty rare and special and organic versus the shouting maybe that you described? Yeah, great question. I think certain brands are able to cultivate communities very successfully. Usually these are brands that have very passionate consumer bases and, and even more passionate customers. So there are 
you could you could argue that certain industries are more likely to have passionate consumers and passionate customers um, versus other industries. Um, travel, food, beauty, retail over uh, financial services or healthcare um, or B2B, for example. Um, those are generalizations, but um, if you look at the volume of social listening data around certain verticals versus others, there is more volume around those industries I mentioned versus um, industries that have less conversation. So I do think that social or digital communities, as Emily discussed, are a big part of social media overall, but they are not going to be applicable to every single brand. Um, and they are, I should mention, social communities are a great source of listening data whether they happen on social media, on, on actual social networks, or on a brand's owned brand.com page. Well, and, and maybe you can kind of go deeper here, but I feel like, you know, you're sort of setting up new guideposts for marketers as they maybe take a look at their social media presence or how they're using the channel. Like, what what are those guideposts for the channel that they should be um, kind of using to write the ship, so to speak. Because to your point, if they're using the channel as a shouting mechanism versus a two-way engagement conversation mechanism, it's antithetical to the point of the of social media. Yeah, I think there's two ways to think about social media from a brand's perspective. All brands should be doing listening. So listening is critical for brands to understand conversations specifically on social media about not only the brand, but the product or service category or the industry that the brand sits in. Um, listening can be very valuable for not just marketing, but consumer insights, market research teams, sales, operations, human resources, um, risk and regulation. Social listening data is helpful, but only if it is combined with data from non-social uh, sources. So that could include voice of the customer data across customer call center transcripts or email chat or email or chat transcripts, other customer service inputs. It could be combined with other market research data, surveys, focus groups, um, polls, those kinds of uh, additional market research data points. Other enterprise-held data is helpful to triangulate with social listening data so that you're not just viewing social listening data on its own or, or in a silo. So the listening piece is critical for all brands, no matter the industry, no matter the size for, uh, to do. Separately, if brands could be better about considering the customer lifecycle, the discover stage, the explore stage, buy, use, ask, and engage, and how social media is leveraged at each one of those stages. And instead of trying to attack all six stages at once, which is very often the case, selecting or identifying or isolating a specific stage in the customer lifecycle and trying to leverage social media in that specific stage based on the company's objective or the brand's objective, that is a better way to tackle social media. So what I mean by that is, let's say you are a brand, you are launching a new product, you've decided that the discover stage is most critical because this product is unknown to the marketplace. The discover stage is where you will focus all your energy 
um, for social media. You will run advertising campaigns. You will run influencer marketing programs, all in an effort to improve the discover stage activity, and you will use social media there. Putting all that effort there because you know that your audience is receptive on social media to those types of advertisements or to those types of influencer marketing programs, that is a good use of time and energy. Trying to launch a new product, tackle all six stages at once without fully understanding that the audience on social media is receptive to that kind of activity is where I think most brands end up falling into this, this trap because they try to do it all and they don't know the audience well enough. Um, and they don't know if they're receptive to not only messages in the discover stage, but also further pushing and educating in the explore stage, encouraging to buy in the buy stage, helping with the um, uh, ask stage and customer service, and then telling consumers to follow the brand in the engage stage long term. And it, it ends up being a multifaceted effort for little return. I feel like you've just liberated brands to some degree from a lot of very painful decisions that they've been grappling with. I mean, social media has become so fraught also just in terms of it's so easy to do the wrong thing to get into a tough spot, frankly, with by polarizing your customer base. And I hear you saying that it's targeted. I also feel I wonder if you're seeing brands kind of just opting out outside of maybe to your point the discover and sort of advertising phase it's just too complicated and to the point of your research not really that worth it anymore yeah i think that's a very critical insight that one all companies can be doing social listening but two not all companies need to be proactive messaging on social media um, it, it's okay to walk away from social media um, we think that there are important factors that would go into this decision. Obviously, it's a big decision for a lot of brands, and we're sensitive to that. Um, but it's really important to understand your consumer audience as well as your customers um, and what kind of interaction, relationship, and messaging they want from you as a brand. If it's not on social media, then why are you on social media? We also feel that... Brands shouldn't be sacrificing their, their corporate values for the sake of being on social media. They should always be acting in their consumer or their customer's best interests on or off social media. I think one of the really pertinent examples was uh, in New Zealand after the, that horrible massacre um, in Christchurch, New Zealand, um, the, the person live streamed the entire terrorist attack on Facebook Live. Um, and many of New Zealand's advertisers, the, the local companies they're advertising, uh, pulled all ad campaigns off of Facebook as a protest because it didn't. Facebook's live stream offering did not align with these New Zealand companies' corporate values. They felt that it had contributed, it had encouraged this person's horrible crime. So that is one very sad example. But a smaller example is... Um, the retailer Lush UK, uh, uh, they abandoned their organic social media presence. This isn't even about uh, pulling their ad spend, but they actually abandoned their organic social media presence because they were tired of trying to uh, fight with these social networks algorithms to get their content surfaced in the newsfeed or um, to, to try to drive uh, engagement with their content and with 
the social networks constantly changing their their algorithms, they did not want to have to deal with that headache anymore and appear like they were paying to be in the newsfeed, even though this was strictly their organic social media accounts. So that's another example of um, a company that has felt liberated walking away from social media and saying, we are better off either uh, cultivating our own community of loyal customers off of the mainstream social networks. Um, and in the case of New Zealand saying, we're not going to invest any more money or spend any more money in a company that we feel has contributed to this horrific crime. Do you think that we'll see more of that in the near future where brands are attempting to take a bit more control back from the likes of Facebook or others um, that, you know, maybe five years ago, brands, it was sort of table stakes. So you just had to be there. But now there there may be this realization that that's not the case and it's an incredibly noisy marketplace. You'd be better off to try to build that um, in, within your, your own four walls, so to speak. I would certainly hope so. I would hope that brands are doing a better job of considering two, two areas. One, their own customers' data and privacy about that data. So for example, a, a large financial services company based in Europe suspended all of its social advertising with Facebook because they were concerned about Facebook's management of their social users' data. And they didn't want to be um, complicit in, in compromising their own customers' data if they were to, for example, upload um, a list of their customers into Facebook's ad targeting tool to create lookalike audiences. Um, they did not want to be complicit in being part of a data leak for their own customers. So they decided to walk away from Facebook advertising for that reason. Um, the second consideration I would hope brands make is enough is enough with these walled garden um, measurement models from Facebook as well as Google. Um, the fact that companies continue to spend primarily in advertising budget, but also in maintaining organic presences and all of the costs that comes with that, resources, production costs, et cetera. Um, the, the cost to invest in social media from an advertising and an organic presence standpoint means that you should be expecting to get more transparency from what you're paying for. If you are going to spend a million dollars on an ad campaign, you would hope to get metrics back from the social networks that inform your multi-touch attribution models or your um, marketing mix models that can tell you what is social media's contribution to my marketing plans or my advertising plans um, compared to the other channels that I'm investing in. And right now, the walled garden model means that Facebook has been sharing very little Twitter shares very little, as well as Snapchat. They're not as forthcoming about the metrics and allowing brands to really do full attribution modeling um, based on their social media activity. And that isn't fair to brands. And they should be taking a stand there as well because they control the purse strings. They're the ones investing this money into these social networks and have the power to speak up and affect change. If you would indulge a question there, actually, since you bring up 
Facebook in particular has come up many times. And when I see that consumer data, going back to the start of the conversation, I, I can't help but wonder how much of that mistrust has been driven by Facebook as an umbrella for social media uh, versus all of the networks. Not looking to point a finger, but I am wondering the sort of outsized impact here in survey data and in response, and then based on your comments about even the services that they provide, of Facebook itself and its actions. Yeah, I think it's easy to, I think it's absolutely easy to point the finger at Facebook because of its sheer size um, with its, I mean, almost 3 billion people using uh, one of Facebook's family of apps daily. Um, it's, it's easy to just assume Facebook is responsible for a lot of this growing wariness of social media. Um, but if you think about social media's problems, misinformation slash fake news, um, if you think about online bullying, if you think about um, brands misrepresenting um, themselves by using influencers who appear to be unbiased but really are biased, that kind of those three types of activities are happening across social networks. Facebook, which owns obviously Facebook app, but also owns Instagram and owns messenger and whatsapp but it's also happening on twitter um, and you could argue on linkedin which is a professional network but certainly a, a an um, outlet for disseminating information that could be factual but could also be false so i think facebook gets the brunt of the negativity given its sheer size and uh, how many people are on its various apps but i think that it's a problem um, across all social media all social networks so what does the future look like, Jesse? What are you predicting here for you see brands and their and their presence on social media? Yeah, I think that brands should really consider social media's roots. Social networks came about as networks for friends and families. The genesis back in 2002 to 2004 for Friendster actually first, then MySpace and LinkedIn and Facebook were networks of friends and family communities not a place for brands to be uh, part of the conversation and i think that we are we have the pendulum has swung so far to include brands and they uh, these social networks have become advertising platforms to make money because users obviously use these social networks for free um, the pendulum has swung so heavily uh, towards brand involvement that there needs to be a, a rebalancing and I think that social media as a whole could afford to be uh, more about consumers leading the conversation about companies, industries, brands, products, and services. And they are the ones creating content about these brands and dictating how these brands are perceived on social media or even in the marketplace. Um, here's an example. Uh, Popeyes launched their <laughs> very delicious chicken sandwich last year, and their agency had, um, you know, a, a very targeted and, and well thought out marketing plan for launching this chicken sandwich. Well, before they even set that plan in motion, um, the African American community on Twitter got word of this new fried chicken sandwich and ran with it. They talked about it, they promoted it, and not 
as influencers or not necessarily as, you know, paid spokespeople, but they were just genuinely excited and passionate about this fried chicken sandwich coming to market. Um, and they, they, in effect, became the marketing plan. Um, and the agency, Popeye's agency, did not even, they scrapped the, the, the actual marketing plan because this was a far more effective tool to have this organic, quote unquote, conversation amongst real consumers who were promoting the sandwich on Popeye's behalf. So that example there is a great example of how consumers really lead this conversation about brands rather than brands dictating their marketing plan and how to talk to consumers on social media. And I, I think this is going to be a good thing for brands because I think this will create or force more transparency from the brands because these consumers are going to be mainstream ambassadors Brands will have to stop with the pay to play. They'll have to uh, loosen the reins on being able to tightly dictate their social media presences. They'll have to really be truthful and transparent um, with consumers. Um, so any consumer could be a man or woman on the street talking about a brand. And that experience that that, that, that customer has with a brand could very well become the next marketing campaign or the next, unfortunately, shaming campaign. And so it will force companies to really behave more positively or provide better customer experience um, or behave more altruistically even. Um, and I think that this, this will be tough for brands to swallow initially, but I think better for the brand consumer relationship long-term. We spoke to this global hotel chain and they said that for better or for worse, they're more exposed um, in this world of social media transparency because any hotel guest can live stream their good or bad hotel experience. Um, and this has created this more transparent and fair relationship between uh, the hotel and their, their guests um, because their guests' voices, they've they feel are even more important than whatever marketing messaging the hotel itself puts out. We talked to one marketer at, at this hotel chain and they said, instead of brands driving image from the inside, companies have to serve customers who will drive the brand image from the outside. And I thought that that quote was really illuminating of a shift in mindset for marketers who to this date have generally been driving the message from the inside instead of considering and listening to consumers on the outside. What are your thoughts in terms of the time horizon? Obviously, you've given a few examples of brands who are making the shift and treating social media differently. Do you anticipate a, a tipping point within a couple of years or what are your thoughts there? Selfishly, I would hope to see this change evolve in the next three years. Um, I will be very curious to track our consumer technographics data and see how the, the questions about um, social media trustworthiness and whether consumers think brands share interesting content on social media. I would love to see those statistics as they change over time. What I suspect is until brands change their approach on social media, I suspect that we'll continue to see the trend of consumers don't feel brands are very interesting on social media. Social media time spent uh, starts to de diminish post-pandemic, I, sh I should say. Um, I would hope that within the next few years that we would see gradual change from, so from brands. I don't think it will be a, um, an abrupt change, but I do think that brands gradually 
should start reconsidering their presences on social media, whether that's bully walking away in the most extreme case, or if it's subtly shifting the presence on social media to be less about marketing, quite frankly, and more about listening to consumers and how that might impact product or R&D or sales or operations rather than marketing messages. The implication of what you're talking about is, I think, but you tell me, really severe on, I would imagine, the way organizations are set up today in terms of roles and responsibilities in marketing. They're not quite as maybe adaptive as you've described. Is that accurate, do you think? And what do firms do about it? I couldn't agree more. I feel like it has taken uh, a decade for brands to even org around social media, to create social media departments and to carve out specific um, resources within marketing dedicated to social media, creating social media centers of excellence. It's not, they're not going to undo that work, a decade of work overnight. But I, I do think there are implications for, for what I've just laid out as, as my view of the future of social media and brands. I, there are certainly implications internally for companies. I think companies will have to consider reorging around consumer insights rather than social media specifically, meaning companies that already have in place the centralized org structure with a, a strong social uh, center of excellence may find that that center of excellence becomes obsolete when trying to gather sort of consumer insights across channels, social media, customer call centers, customer service groups, uh, sales, operations. Whoever touches uh, in-store um, in uh, representatives, what, whichever methods that consumers use to gather consumer insights those various groups will have to come together as the new quote-unquote center of excellence for, for consumer insights. Um, I do think that companies who have advanced social intelligence or social listening capabilities are well-suited or positioned rather for um, this more decentralized org structure where every department touches and learns from social listening um, rather than companies who have... Uh, very strong centers of excellence will have to learn how to put the power of social listening and intelligence in the hands of many people across the company rather than sort of holding that power centrally within the COE. So, Josie, what you've described in this episode feels like a pretty fundamental shift. And you've talked about a few brands who have already either dip their toe into the water or have made strides here in thinking and activating social differently. For those brands who are considering or know that they need to change their approach, where do they start? What's your sort of, this is the first step in this process? Great question. I'd actually say there are four steps, our tried and true post methodology, which, uh, for those of you who have talked to me in the past, know that that is our our foundational um, approach to social media um, as well as marketing as a whole. So POST stands for People, Objective, Strategy, and Technology. And the clients that I talk to, uh, we coach them through the POST methodology. And spending the bulk of your time on P for people is critical to understanding if you should be on social media at all. 
So when I say that, I mean, walk through the four steps in post. Start with P for people and ask, not if your target audience is on social media, because chances are they are, um, but rather you should be asking, how willing is your target audience how willing are they to interact with your brand, your industry, your products, your services on social media? Are they open and receptive to hearing from you or not at all open and receptive? That is step one in P of post people in understanding whether you should be on social media at all. So if after you've determined that you should be on social media, you've done your homework on P for people, move on to O for objective and determine where in the customer lifecycle uh, your objective lies in the discover, explore, buy, use, ask, or engage stage. Isolate the, the stage that is most critical to your marketing plan or to your company's plans um, and determine uh, how you can use social media in that specific stage. And then from there, you can figure out your strategy, which includes your tactics on social media, and then figure out your technology, which would include um, your social networks, which ones make the most sense for you, as well as third-party technology, and maybe even agencies or services that might help support your uh, social media presence. So in conclusion, follow the post methodology and spend the most time on P for people, because it's really critical for companies to know if their audience is open, receptive, willing to engage with them on social media and hear from them on social media. Great. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Appreciate it, guys. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.